Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. We are still knee-deep in tech, and in this time, we are in Oslo. We are. It is February the 1st, and we are in Simon's hotel room on the 22nd Second floor. Mine is on the 9th floor, by the way. Which says a lot about... And you can fill in the blank. And moving, moving on. on. <laughs> so, you've been speaking today at the Nordic Infrastructure Conference in Oslo, which I must start by saying, so far it's a great conference. I would have to agree. It is very well run. It is lots of interesting speakers. The whole event feels very professional. Yeah. Everything just is runs smoothly. Yeah. And I've had several of our colleagues calling me, mailing me and asking, what, what's this Nordic Infrastructure Conference thing? It looks great. Really? Yep. So, I I believe that we could be more people joining here next year. We should. I mean, this is lots of interesting stuff for quite a few of our colleagues. Yeah. And like many of the ses- sessions are in English. Sure. So it's no problem for anyone speaking something other than Norwegian to go no, here. No, 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 no. And for Swedes, it's Norwegian. Sure. For crying out loud. Yeah. Every every other Swede understands Norwegian that I do. Yeah. So it, great so far. I'll be having my sessions tomorrow. Yes. But you've been great. Oh, As thank always. you very much. And I think we discussed what you talked about, but just sum it up. Well, I did two um, sessions. The first one is called uh, Azure The Cloud Awakens, Azure SQL Database The Cloud Awakens. And it deals mainly with what SQL um, Server, Azure SQL Server is, how to move your workload up to the cloud, and what is available today in the cloud. And it turns out that it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. So it's more of a um, a high-level overview for people that maybe dip their toe in Azure but haven't really looked at stuff. So I have no idea how many attendees I had, but it was quite a few. 25, 30? Yeah. Something like that. Give or take, which is nice, very yep. nice. And the other session was anything other than high-level. And I would it, say for, for, a non, for a non-DBA, it was... At some points, quite deep. Yeah, it was, and and we, we had a discussion about this since I've I've been thinking this is a level two hundred, but yep. no, I think you're quite right that it's a level three hundred at least, at least maybe even higher. It depends on the conference. It does, and in in this case, I think I uh, I kind of went a bit too deep. Yeah, for the the clientele, but well, I, I anyways, I yep. it's lots of interesting stuff because session levels is always it, it's it's dependent on the conference you speak at yes like if you speak at a sql conference this is probably probably uh 300 or something like that it, it's it's not a 200 i would say because it's so many demos scripting and so on but it's not a 400 in sql at no, the sql conference it isn't. And, but and it I... could be a sql uh, it could be a four hundred level four hundred. It's anything other than SQL conferences. Yeah, it could. Then yeah. again, I'm I'm a bit afraid if I market this as a four hundred. Yeah. If I will be picked up. Yep. At all, but I'll I'll see. Uh, I'll definitely kind of tweak it since it's not going to be two hundred anymore. Yeah. And I will be updating this for the the next time that I'm doing it. That would be in in Iceland. Yeah. And. Just briefly mentioned, it is called Boring is Stable, Stable is Good, yeah. and Best Practices in Practice, where I go through 
pretty much all my collected best practices over 20 years in, in the field, deconstruct them and say, this is what I do, this is what I don't do, and this is why I yep. do it. And um, hopefully give people food for thought and, and move forward. Yep. Wonderful. So we'll get back to other DBA-related topics soon. But yes. let's start with Intune. Hmm. And Intune has been mentioned in several of the sessions we have attended as well. Yep. And the big thing that got released yesterday was the Intune uh, API for the Microsoft Graph. All right. So the ability to programmatically speak to Intune. You can do that using PowerShell or your preferred code language. Programmatically speak to Intune. Yes. And I'm not a coder, so that may be incorrect. Oh, right, right. So you mean the... the um... You're, you're, ah, now you're I able it. to do integrations. You're yes. able to do front-ends. You're able to script against it. You're able to do a lot more stuff automated than you were able to previously. Right. So the, the, the API is for Intune, and it uses the Graph API. Exactly. Ah, now the penny dropped. Yeah. Thank you. So that that's huge. We have a couple. I think we actually had a session of that. Yes, we have that today with Nikolai and Maurice on how to use the Graph API to automate your Intune installations. Right. I've built my 0.1 version of my automation script for Windows as a Service on PowerShell right. only, but I'm leveraging the Azure AD PowerShell commandlets instead. Mm. So this is another way to do it, and you're able to do so much more than you can with PowerShell with Intune today. All so right. that's quite huge. Right. And we also have had several other releases this week, or at least since the last podcast when it comes to Intune. Uh, one thing is that we now are able to configure an on-prem exchange server in the Outlook app for iOS, which wasn't possible previously. So previously, if you wanted to configure an on-prem exchange server, you could only do that automatically in the included app for iOS, the mail app in iOS. Oh, now yeah, you can do right, it in right. Outlook. Right, nice. Yeah. We also have a couple of new settings in Intune for Android devices uh, and so on. So it, it's happening things fast. We'll probably see another Intune release with more features shortly. We have had two smaller releases this month, so many other things to come. One of the things we can we can talk about when it comes to Intune is um, what what Samilayo thinks of Intune. Yep. <laughs> um, you you need to start this topic because I, I do not know what you want to achieve with it. No, no, it, it was um, Samilayo gave an, an interesting talk. I'll give him that on uh, what's coming in in Windows. Yeah, and he gave some peaks of Windows eighteen oh three. Yeah. And, well, as he said, he's an old guy, <laughs> like us, or, uh, uh, sorry, or like me. <clears throat> yeah, Come I, on. I keep, I keep forgetting that. You're... I love Intune. Yes, you do. And that was pretty much his point. Yep. When we started out, we started out with, with uh, AD, and AD was very young. And he spoke about the Novell guys saying, well, dude, this is so hard. And these guys, uh, th th these days, he's very much into uh, group policy. Yeah. And let's face it, group policy is going away. Yeah, 
It is. And like I think that's one of the important things to remember when you move from group policy to MDM policies, which which takes time, which everyone should be aware of. It's not easy. No. But you have a limited, in comparison to group policy, mm -hmm. you have a limited amount of MDM settings. You can configure more than the ones that are available in the portal using Uma Yuri. But again, you aren't supposed to configure all the policies you use to do with group policy. Okay. First of all, as soon as I see a group policy environment, it's usually full of old policies, which no one dares to take away. You never clean. That's one of the first things I say to every single customer I meet. Clean your group policies. Cool. So we first of all, we configure a lot of policies that we don't need in group policy. And that's easy, because in group policy, it's just a matter of flicking a switch. Which is which it is in Intune as well for some in in some cases, but it's so much easier to do a lot of settings in group policy, and then forget about them because you have all the opportunities you want. Right. Moving to MDM requires you to think about what do you really need to configure, and you should also remember that if you're using MDM and only MDM, we are talking about a mobile device, a device that usually shouldn't be on your corporate network. They may be in many cases, but they don't need to be secured in the same manner or in the same ways as a AD joined device because they don't have all the flaws of um, an AD joined device, a legacy device, if you want to put it that way. So it's a again a change of a change on how you view your security settings. I'll just stick my, my head in and, and play the devil's advocate. Okay, <laughs> if if that is the case, yeah. what more do you need to manage uh, a classic Windows PC AD joint? Since we cannot use group policy, we just said that group policies are dying. And according to you, the MDM is only should only be used for mobile devices. Then you have confi uh, Config Manager or Decide right. State Configuration. Or okay, so DSC is your preferred yeah, but weapon I, uh, choice. Start off by looking at them. Now you are fully able to manage an AD joint device using MDM policies. Right. And you're able to be both Azure AD joint and AD joint at the same time. All right. So it's only uh, that that's the first step you take. Is this device going to be AD joint, Azure AD joint, or both? Right. Then you move on to management. Should this be managed by group policy? Decide state configuration using PowerShell, Config Manager, or MDM. And you can combine them, of course. Some settings are more valuable if you configure them using group policy. Some settings are only available with group policy. Moving on to desired state configuration. That's a niche, I would say, for clients, for servers, of course. Right. But you could use it for clients as well. Config Manager, of course. And there you have a number of different ways to target what you want to apply settings to that you can't do with group policy, or at least in a very inefficient way with group policy. And then you have MDM, which is the, light, the most lightweight way to manage a device. But again, if you're using MDM to manage a device, do you need it to be AD joined? And the AD join is usually where you find all the security issues. 
So choose what directory service you want to choose, use and then choose your or your your uh, management solution or your management solutions because you can combine them. But try to try to configure as few settings as possible regardless of your tools. You don't want more group policies than you need. You don't want more MDM policies than you need. Target as like we usually configure settings to apply to all PCs or devices. Now we should try to configure each individual device appropriately for its use case. And then you have a lot of different targeting approaches using group policy, decided set configuration, config manager, and MDM. And it doesn't necessarily need to be in Intune, even though I personally prefer Intune. So basically what you're saying is, if you try to apply the old ways of thinking... Yeah. You will fail. You will look like an idiot. Yeah. Okay. Which is a very good point. And I really like the point about you should definitely clean your group policies. Yeah. Even I know that, and I'm not very good at Windows. Yep. So that's one of the things we are implementing when we're implementing a process for Windows as a service right. at customers. A way to clean up your group policy each and every time you get a new Windows release, because then you get new group policies. And there's your perfect opportunity to clean out the old ones. And probably, incidentally, decrease your logon times. Yeah. So there's Usually. an upside to it yep. as well. Of course, yeah. And you will also be more secure because you know what's configured, you know what applies to a specific machine, and you know what you can remove. So while we're at the the, um, the concept of group policy, is there any way to easily document this and keep track of, or is it a big bit of a quagmire? I, I'm not sure. The, the usual way I document it, or first of all, Make sure you have a naming standard for your group policies. Mm -hmm. Ensure that it's easy to follow along in how they are applied. Right. The next step is to look at the use case of group policy. I previously said that you should try to target every individual device with their specific settings. Mm -hmm. But if you have a baseline group policy, you, it's quite easy to document that by only doing a group policy. Ah, I lost the word. A group policy result. All right, all right. That's that's to me a good way to document a, a standard group policy managed device. Right. There may be other ways to do it. Uh, I haven't used any tools for it, but that I would say that's that's probably the easiest way to get started with group policy management. I usually do it in a way that I start off with the recommended baseline from Microsoft, and then the settings I do reconfigure in any way. I document only the changes made right. to it and then add the settings I would like, the ad the additional settings. Right. And you could also, if you use group policy to manage a specific application, document those specific group policies with that application, for example. That's that's good tip. Yep. Top tip right there. Well, going on with, with tips and ideas, I'm going to take a page from my... Um, my session, the best practices yep. session, and talk about um, a few of the best practice settings that I thought that people looked most surprised about. 
Um, I had a, a huge light in my face. So I... <laughs> you, you sure did. Not as sun-like as the first light to you. <laughs> no, but it was very... In my face, I could hardly yep. see my my audience. Yep. But I did see some people go, huh? Yep. When I said a few things. And one of the things that I said is, stay away from antivirus. Never yeah, install and, and, antivirus yeah. on your machine. And this is a this is a discussion we need to have. Sure. So you are talking about a VM based antivirus then? No, I'm talking about any antivirus. So how do you protect the machine? You don't. Keep the machine away from anything else is my opinion. And let, let's let's back up. The reason yeah, backups I, are good. Oh, God. The reason I say stay away from antivirus is that the antivirus will add round-trip times to your storage commands. Yep. Anything you read, anything you write will go through the antivirus framework. And regardless if you have exceptions set or not, it is going to add more time to your read-write. Yep. That's it. And you don't want that. Ever, if you have any any requirements for performance, you don't want that. Then, if you fail for some reason to exclude stuff, yep. then you're up shit creek with no paddle. If the antivirus decides to take a peek into your SQL Server process or intercept your read or write, all kinds of crap can happen. I understand that, but from a security point of view and being aware of that we have several other ways to protect your environment from malware. But have you been able to implement that at a single customer? In general, no. But most it, of the It pe- can be a best practice anyways, it because is, that's it is your recommendation. Yes. Uh, most of the time, people say, yes, we agree completely. But the way our network is designed at the moment... Yeah, we can't do it or whatever. Yeah. So, so that's, all, that's that's one that, that is a best practice. I don't like antivirus, and my best practice is to to stay away from it. Yeah. Then again, a best practice is exactly that a best practice. Yeah. This is not set in stone. Thou shalt do this, otherwise, thou shalt be <laughs> kicked in the butt. Yeah. So that that was one thing where people actually perked up. That was and fun. I, th- I think that you, you could actually have. Have put a bit more time on explaining what you can do to achieve that. To achieve what? Security think without... We, we are again at the same discussion as we just had on Intune. What can you do to enable your databases to be antivirus-less? Good point. So, that, that's a... It's an interesting... That's a talk you should have. That is... SQL Server Security. Um, Me and everybody else. <laughs> it, it's um, there is a guy called um, Tobias Koprowski. Yeah, uh, he has a, a wonderful beard. <laughs> he is a, a guy from Poland who goes around the world speaking about SQL Server security. Yeah, he's very very good at it. Yep, and he has quite a few things to say about security in general and, and antivirus and yep. stuff like that. In, in it's interesting. I, I like the approach. It just takes a while for me to get on that you are actually on the same route as anyone else. Put security as far away as possible 
so that your endpoints, your edges are protected. Yeah. Because then you can, you don't need as much client protection, server protection, and all the other features. Then again, you want if if you are um, in a, a um, in an environment that is likely to come under attack. Yeah. You need to think about defense in depth. Yeah. Of but, course. Sure. Then again, best practices needs to be adapted to your specific environment. Yep. Then we Good have point. the uh, the stripe size, the old classic NTFS by default set to 4K yep. um, allocation size. There is a, um, a misnomer that uh, has been perpetuated since the dawn of time. I used to perpetuate it since I didn't know any better. Yep. That said that SQL Server only uses 64K uh, transfers, yep. which is not the case. Anything from 512 bytes up to 8 megabytes per I.O. That's uh, different sized chunks. Definitely. And of course, the, the smaller chunks are usually connected to the logs and the larger to blobs or uh, the 8 megabyte is, is column store. Yep. So seriously compressed data. But my point here is that most of the time, for most of these workloads, you are going to benefit from a larger NTFS allocation size. Yep. So, yes, some things will kind of waste space. You will waste space in the file system when you do a 512-byte change and you're going to gobble up 64Ks of, of disk. Yep. Boo-hoo! <laughs> you're going to see tremendous amounts of, of speed increase yep. for the larger IOs. So... In short, do the eight, uh, the sixty-four K. Just, just do it. Yep. And let's see what more. What I was thinking about DBA tools. DBA tools. I was just about to say DBA tools. DBA tools is the brainchild of a couple of, of very nice people: Chrissy Lemaire, uh, Rob Sewell, to name a few. Rob has an even longer beard than <laughs> Tobias Koprovsky. Uh They are all around super nice guys. Very, very good at what they do. This is a completely free set of commandlets. Yeah. At the time of writing, around 300, they are working towards version 1.0. Yep. <laughs> and you can use DBA tools for lots of stuff. For instance, you can test to see how much memory has your server, how much memory has been. Uh, given to SQL Server and how much memory should you give the SQL yep. Server? This is all built in, and this is um, based on the, the established calculations. Yep, you can use DBA tools to synchronize. One of the major pain in the butts when you set up an always-on availability group is to synchronize users, um, synchronize jobs, everything that needs to be on both sides. Ta-da! Enter DBA tools. Yep. It just works and of course you can toy around with stuff like uh, you can change power plan you can get dba tools to tell you if you're on a recommended power plan or not you can check if any trace flags are set you can set non-persistent trace flags and so on and so forth it is just amazing i feel like i'm the last guy that noticed it um, <laughs> PowerShell, or, or in this case, um, DBA tools. But on the other hand, I was the last guy to get a Twitter account. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm 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 slow, but I'm thorough. I'm getting there. You weren't the last of anything of that. Yeah. Which, again, if it brings us to Sami, get 
on Twitter. Get with the program. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone who are listening to this do not use Twitter, get on Twitter. Especially if you're working in IT. So what you're meaning is that if you are listening to this and you are not on Twitter, yeah. get on Twitter. Just slight clarification there. W- what you said. Right. Get on the Twitters. Get on the Twitters with a Z. With a Z, indeed. Speaking about... Twitter. No. No, but almost. Teams. We had a lot of new features in Office this week. That was a terrible segue. <laughs> Enriching teamworks, teamwork across devices. Um, teams have received a couple of new features. Most notably, notably would be to find new apps. You now have a store in Teams. Because you can integrate a lot of apps into t- into a team. Right. So now you're able to search in a store interface and add valuable apps to your team in an easier way. Uh, and you also have a command window, a command box in Teams. So you're able to... Like, like God Mode? Kind of, kind of. You're not old enough to have built Doom. Keep going. We have a God Mode in Windows as well. If you weren't aware of that. I was not. There's a way to... See through windows? <laughs> Just had to. There's a way which works in Windows 10 as well. It was introduced in Windows 7, I believe. Could have been 8 as well. All right. You create a new folder and name it to a very long string. One of the grids, strings. right? Grids? I think it's a grid. Grid, yeah. No, uh, yeah, it pretty long grid all right and it will turn to a control panel like icon if you click on that you get access to i believe it's like 2000 different gui commands which is a highly extendable variant of the control panel called god mode cool yep i did not know this no it's before you introduced search in the settings app on Windows 10, mm-hmm. that's, that was a way to do things in, in the UI that you weren't able to do in any other way. Cool. That's awesome. I actually have customers that deployed that. Nice. But I think so, I, I derailed you a bit. Yeah, you did. Teams. Uh, yeah. Stores. No, we were done with store. Okay. So they also introduced a new command box. Right. Where you can enter, you can search and oh, you write can do commands. slash commands, yeah. just like the, the old IRC. Yeah. Across teams. Across teams. So you can search all your teams, for example. You can control all your teams using the command box, which cool. is highly usable. Indeed. Because you, I'm, I'm, I'm a member of... 40, 50 teams, and I guess, guess there are other th- others that are members of a lot more teams than that. Mm-hmm. And this gives you a way to easily search across teams. Or if you manage a lot of teams, so especially useful when you're a large organization mm-hmm. where you're not able as a user to create your own team, you have someone creating teams for you, and you want to apply something to all the teams. This is pretty useful. And of course, you still have the... 
the PowerShell commandlets for Teams. There's a quite a lot of them now. But this is a way for a regular user who are not supposed to use PowerShell for some reason to do things with their Teams. Cool. Yeah. So that's uh, actually quite neat. Uh, we have a few other new features for OneDrive on iOS especially. You you now have the amazing feature autosave on Office for Mac, which is... That hasn't been there. No. Cool, since... since um, and you now also got co- co-authoring authoring for iOS that's, and Mac. That's very nice. I mean, the... Um, but the, this autosave one is it was, amazing. It was pioneered by Mac a few versions back. Yep. And now... Off, nice. Yep. And you have drag-and-drop content and files on iOS between OneDrive and other apps. So you can drag a picture from OneDrive straight into Word on the iPad, for example, and insert the picture. You can uh, access OneDrive from more iOS apps, preview more file types on OneDrive for iOS. And this was one of the things they demoed at Ignite, that you're actually able to preview 130 file types, including Photoshop and 3D objects, inside the iOS OneDrive app, which is highly useful. Wow. Yep, so a lot of things. As always, we have a hard time keeping up. We do. We do indeed. (laughs) And speaking of hard time keeping up, it is just about time to go down to the um, the party. The party, exactly. And there's rumors that Samilayo bought a thousand pack of beers. Apparently that's a finished thing. We need to talk to, about, uh, to it uh, with uh, Tony. Uh, that's, yes. Uh, technically a thousand and eighty cans of beer. 1.5 liters cans yeah. of beer. But you get a free bucket. You get a free bucket. Which apparently is the key for Finnish people. Yep. And on that bombshell. <laughs> yes, no more buckets. And let's cross, cross this one off your bucket list. This is the first episode that we've recorded on Norwegian soil. Yeah. And I had that on my bucket list all the time. I do. Now it's <laughs> record crossed a pod, off. Record a podcast in Norway. Yes. <laughs> well, having said that, Thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back. We will. Take care. Bye.